We can, and we must have his heart. That's the whole purpose of why he came and, and made a way that he could come and have that dwelling place, his throne, in our heart. And that's the only way that we will ever have the heart like his is he's got to be there. And that is his, his plan, and his, he's manifesting it. So we're thank, thankful for that. I'm going to go ahead and let you be seated here for just a moment. And, uh, you know, these, these kind of situations are not what we all desire, and yet, we're thankful that we can still gather together in some fashion. And we're thankful for that. And, um, you know, it was interesting when we first ran into this and they shut us down in Saskatchewan and then they opened it up where we could have 10. And uh, that was a challenge. And then it opened up to 30 and then 30%. And now we're back down to 30. But next, this coming Sunday, we're up to 120. We're looking forward. And I can remember there were times before COVID that Wednesday night would roll around and there's only 120 showed up. And you felt a little bit disappointed. Where's everybody else? You know, why it just, and now it's like, wow, 120 again. And we just, so it's our perspective, it's our attitude, the way we approach things with everything in this life when it comes to the things of the Lord. You know, I, when I came out here on Monday, uh, I was thinking, because it was, I was driving in the middle of answered prayer. We desperately needed rain back home, and we prayed sincerely there at the church, and a week later, we got a good rain. And so I drove all the way through, and I thought, this is answered prayer coming down. Thank you, Lord. I just uh, so appreciate it. I thought, you know, the Lord's mindful of us. So at any rate, so we're, we're glad to have each one that's with us, whether it's here physically or, or um, in your homes, wherever you might be, uh, but it's important that we're gathered together in heart. And uh, I would love to be able to greet and uh, acknowledge some of the different friends we have here, but I'm sure I would forget some. I'm not real good with memory, but I do want to just reach out and just uh, greet Brother Harold if he happens to be listening in or or will. We certainly appreciate Brother Harold through the years and his fellowship and his ministry. So God bless each one of you. Um, We are, and I can't remember, Brother Ed, was it three hours or four hours I was supposed to keep it under? (laughs) Well, I guess he's leaving that up to me, so. <laughs> um, we are living in perilous times. We are living in deceitful times. So close it would deceive the very elect if it were possible. We are living in discouraging times. At least that's what the devil would like to make it. We know that the Bible tells us that, that Satan's going about like a roaring lion. That roaring does not kill a person. But it discourages, it freezes, it petrifies him so that he can devour us. So we're in the midst of a time where the the, the devil's roaring. And if we aren't really solidly anchored and in tune on the word and anchored and in tune with God, we can become discouraged. And so really why we gather together is for encouragement. 
to exhort one another. And that word exhort means to encourage. And it says that the more so, as you see that day approaching, we need more encouragement. And so my prayer is that what we're going to speak on tonight will do that. And, and perhaps, and I'm building towards something that will come out at the end, but something that I, I, I trust that as you get to the next stage where you're able to have more people physically together in service, that maybe it'll give you a, a greater perspective and a, a greater appreciation for why we do that. Why is it important that we physically assemble? I mean, we can hear the same word, we can sing the same songs, but in our separate places, it's not quite the same, isn't it? Why? Because God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a way. And I believe, I was telling Brother John in the office there, that I really think this whole thing on COVID, the devil is using it, kind of maybe coming in the back door. I think one of his main purposes is trying to separate the fellowship of believers wherever he can. And so we recognize that, and so we just do all that we can to not let that affect my attitude, and I look for opportunities. If I can't do it together in a, in a meeting, that maybe I have an opportunity to reach out and touch somebody in, in, if, if, with a, uh, an encouragement in some way. Uh, maybe it's on the phone, but we need to look for opportunities to, to do that. But I want to start tonight by reading from John chapter 9, the first 11 verses, if you want to stand with me. It says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, I hope that you've caught the story there. We're going to come back to this. But there's some things that aren't in that that are quite interesting. The way this unfolded was maybe not the way we just kind of... Uh, I think there's things that didn't happen there that maybe we overlooked. So, verse 7, he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seen. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. I also want to read then from Matthew chapter 9. So we see a blind man that, that God healed in a very unusual way. In Matthew 9, we see at verse 27, we see another uh, story of a blind man being healed, or two blind men here. Verse 27 says, When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. And one more scripture here, 1 Corinthians 12, a couple of verses. Verses 27 and 28 says, Now ye are the body of Christ, 
and members in particular, individual members specifically. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And we'll stop there. Let's just bow for the Lord to bless his word tonight. Heavenly Father, we've come hungry for, for you. You're the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And you are still the word because you're eternal. Your word is eternal. But Father, any man can read the word in an intellectual way. But unless your Holy Spirit comes and quickens it, brings it to life, reveals it to us, it doesn't have the effect that you intend it to do. So Lord, we've come with expectation. We've opened the doors that Brother Ed was talking about, the doors of our life, the doors of our heart. And we pray now that your Holy Spirit would come in and, and quicken these words to our hearts tonight. Help me, Father, to, to bring what you put on my heart, and I pray that it will be an encouragement to the people. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated again. Now, it's interesting here. We have two different cases, the same need of blindness, and God's uh, Jesus uses two different means of ministering that healing to them. The one, he spit in the dust and he made spittle, made clay, and he, he anointed that man's eyes. And the other one, he just asked them if they believed, and then he just touched their eyes. The one, he gave, the, he gave a, 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 a task that the man was supposed to go do, to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The other one, he just said, be it according to your faith, and they were healed right then. Why was there a difference? What is going on? So Brother Ram says this, and, and we saw that in our, our last text there from 1 Corinthians 12, he says, everything that God can do for you was finished when Christ died at Calvary. For he brought complete redemption to the human race. And we know that redemption includes our physical bodies. The healing we have is only a down payment showing that there's going to be a, an eternal change from mortal to immortal one, one day. But that's part of that redemption. And he says, we don't have it now in full, we have the earnest of our salvation. We have the earnest of eternal life, of an immortal life that will live forever as we receive the Holy Spirit. We also have the earnest of our resurrection. And that's healing. That's because our body's going to come forth fully healed one day. But he goes on. He says, and he reads from 1 Corinthians 12. Then he says, there's a gift of prophecy, but gifts of healing. It's in the plural. God uses many different ways. So gifts of healing, God doesn't do it all just a cookie cutter, this is the one way you do this, this is how I heal. With healings, there's many different ways that he heals. He heals through music, he heals through the word, he heals, I mean, we can go into all kinds of different varieties, but it's all according to our faith. In both of these examples, faith was the key to it. Without faith, it would not have been able to be manifest, it would not have come uh, into a reality in their life. So Brother Bram says this, and it was very clear in that last uh, episode of Matthew 9, he says, be it according to your faith. That was out in the open, but it was also, maybe not as clear, but it was there in that, that first text from John 9. But Brother Ram says this, only faith can heal you in your own individual faith. Don't you see what a gift of healing is? A gift of healing isn't something that's in somebody to heal somebody else. I believe Brother Random had a gift of healing, but it wasn't that he had that power that he could just impart and, and it was working through. No, there was something going on, but it wasn't quite that. He says the man that's being prayed for has to have the healing. He has to have the faith. Now, I know that Brother Random says that, so that discernment, he says that never healed a single person. It was just to prove that God was present 
and he was there just like the word said. So what the word says about healing, you can have confidence and faith in that word. Now you can receive it. So it's there to boost our faith, to, to encourage our faith. Okay. Another message he has in Have Faith in God, he says, God has given no one any powers to heal someone. Healing comes alone by faith and faith in a work that's already been done, a finished work that Christ did at Calvary. So now we're using this whole thing of, 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 of healing as our place of beginning. That's not my main focus, but there's a principle here that is absolutely essential that fits so many other things in our life, everything. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So anything from God, it, in, it requires and involves faith on our part. So got some quotes from Brother M talks about. We're going to try to keep things a little shorter, but I think sometimes maybe we, we lose sight of this, but do you realize that God wants to heal us? It's not like we have to go and beg and plead and, 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 and pull on him. Oh, please, Lord, and just maybe if I cry long enough or this, that, that. He wants to heal us. That puts it in a little different perspective, doesn't it? I remember when, when I first saw how Brother Bram said that, that uh, there at Calvary, he says, and I like the way he put it, it's changed my life about 10 years ago. He said that when Christ died at Calvary, he says every sin that had ever been committed, all the way from the garden, every sin that ever would be committed, he says, was forgiven right then. He said every man that had been born and every man that would be born was forgiven right then. And it just clicked. I thought, well, I don't have to go and wonder, oh God, I'm here, I failed again, and can you, can you possibly forgive me one more time, or, or will you not? He's already forgiven me. I don't have to beg or plead or hope. It's just I have to have godly sorrow. I've got to have a truly repentant heart and ask for that forgiveness, but it's already there. And so I, I never have to question that. And I think it, it helps me then as a Christian, and I'm getting a little off track, but I think it's important, that then when somebody does something against me, if I've got the Spirit of Christ, they're already forgiven, whether they ever come and repent to me or not. My Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of Christ in me, they're already forgiven. And uh, I pray for their sake that they will come and make things right because it's what they need. But as far as I'm concerned, there's, there's, it's, it's done. It's gone. It's, it's not even something that I'm, that I'm concerned about. Okay. So God wants to heal us. Well, if it takes faith to be healed, and it does, like everything from God, then he wants us to have faith. And it's amazing to me, and that's what I want to try to get across here, as to to what lengths God goes to give us faith and to increase our faith, to encourage our faith. In the message, Contending for the Faith, um, he tells the story talking about Nathaniel. Remember after Philip brought him in there and, and he says, behold, a, an Israelite in whom there's no guile. And, and Nathaniel, a little bit critical, a little bit skeptical, says, yeah, when did you know me? He says, oh, before you, Philip called you, I saw you under the trees. Like, that hit home, didn't it? And from that time, Nathaniel's life was changed. He gave his life for the gospel. There was no issues after that point. He was, he was committed. And so and he says now, so when he did that, discerning that man's life, what was, the, what was his purpose? It did something for Nathaniel. His faith was now to the spot where he could receive Jesus as Messiah. He could receive the, the, the message, the gospel. He could receive the word. Because his faith had been brought to the place that it was real. 
So Brother Bram goes on and he says, What was Jesus doing? Introducing to the world what the world, God wants the world to have, the faith that Jude said to contend for. Jesus was introducing that to the world. He discerned that man's life. And what did that do? That created a faith in him that was necessary for him to be one of God's disciples, one of his vessels that he could use. So why did God come in this day and manifest that same sign, that same evidence, that same vindication? Because he's bringing us back to that same faith that was back there. And we need to contend for that faith. And what was it doing? It was raising that faith in his bride in this last day. You and I, that we could have faith in God's word that God could use us and we could go forth uh, fulfilling the word of God. So I want to use, to me this is an amazing example. Uh, And I spoke last Sunday uh, at our church, uh, used Abraham quite a bit, but this is a little different. In Jehovah Jireh, he says, Abraham was God's called out, elected servant and prophet, and God met him. How many's ever read the story of Abraham? Chapter 12 of Genesis. He calls him out there. He's in the land of Ur, and he follows him, and he goes to, to Haran, and his father dies, and he, he, he's led to the, to the land of Canaan. And then, uh, you know, anyway, so God met him, I think, seven times, if I remember right, different times where God met him, and, and then he'd unfold a little bit more of his promise to him every time. And we read the story of Abraham, particularly in Hebrews, and Abraham staggered not at the promise. And we feel a little bit intimidated sometimes, I think. Oh, woe is me. Man, I'm a far cry from that. Well, you read the story, Abraham had his ups and downs. He had his weak moments. He was human like you and I. Brother Ben makes that clear. So he says, God met him and kept encouraging him as he waited for the fulfilling of the promise. So we know he waited 25 years for it to be fulfilled. But all along the way, God kept meeting him. Why? To encourage his faith. Because I believe if he had not done that, he wouldn't have been able necessarily to have the faith that was necessary. So God was absolutely committed to that. Abraham is, I've unconditionally given him this promise. This covenant is an unconditional covenant. So it's going to happen. So this is what's needed. And so God did everything that was necessary for that covenant to unfold and continue on and, and be manifested. And that essentially, the important, one of the important, probably the most important part, was that Abraham's faith needed to be encouraged. And I'd never seen those visits from God as being for that purpose. God's encouraging him. And so do you think that he did that only for Abraham? No, sir. You know, last Sunday I was speaking on the, more the topic about how that God's word is, is a, there's a continuity. It's eternal. It has no beginning, no end. God didn't come down in this day and speak the word for the Laodicean age. That was spoken before the foundation of the world. It's just that the portion that was for today, Brother Brown lifts the prophet up, he sees that and he brings it down for this age. And that really makes it clear to me why you, we cannot add to or take away because it is, it's eternal. It's been in existence from before the beginning. How can we take, I mean, how do you take or add to that? It's just, it just is. It's God. It's the word. And that really encourages my faith just to realize that. But Brother Bam says that, but he does unfold his word. See, he didn't give all the details to Abraham at the beginning. He just said, leave your kindred, your family, and follow me to a land that I'll show you. When he finally obeyed the first step, then God gave him more details. 
And he failed, and he came back and went down to Egypt. He came back to the place where God had he'd made an altar, and he'd met God there in Canaan. And that's what happens is when we backslide, when we get away from God, we must go back to where we left God. That's where we'll meet up with him again. And so we come back to that, and that's what he did. And God met him again and unfolded a little bit more. But every time it unfolds, it's going to follow the same pattern all along. It will never be contradictory to what's already unfolded. So if God unfolds something to somebody, whether it's a dream or a vision or a revelation that we have, if it doesn't fit the word that's already been brought out and, and, and established and vindicated, fit in that pattern, then it's wrong. And that's why it's got to fit from Genesis to Revelation, from 47 to 65, because that's God's eternal word. And there's a pattern as it's unfolded, and it will not ever break that pattern. Now, we might not see all the details. He keeps unfolding it, but we can check. And so what we're going to be doing a bit tonight is I want us to see a pattern. Because if we can see the pattern, and I, I use this illustration at our church. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot, Brother John. I'm going to give you a number, and you tell me what comes next. Two. Nope. He said three. He's wrong. Okay, I'm going to give you a Two, four. What's next? Nope. It could be. That is a pattern. But my point is, you can't find a pattern with just one number, can you? You have no idea what's coming next. And people will do that. They will take one scripture, and they will build a whole doctrine and a whole uh, everything, their life built on that one but does it fit God's pattern? Jesus said, it is also written. Right. The devil came with legitimate scriptures. Otherwise, Brother Bram says, we could preach purgatory. You, you could preach Catholicism from the Bible if you're just going to take one place. Right. I can take you to Matthew 28, 19. How many has been baptized? Correct. They've been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's in the scripture. Isn't that right? There's a scripture, and it was Jesus that said it. Oh, you don't get any more high authority than that. But it doesn't fit the pattern if that's all you take. Oh, it fits into the pattern by revelation, but you have to have the other scriptures that it fits into to see the pattern. But 2, 4 could be 6. That's 2 plus 2 plus 2. But I was thinking 2, 4, 8. 2 times 2 times 2. So now when I give you 3, now you can start seeing the pattern much more clearly. So the more scriptures, you go in there and you start studying, you start to see the more that unfolds, the better idea, the better picture, the more greater revelation we have of how God's doing something, how he's working, the pattern that he has. And then we can recognize more clearly what's happening in our day because it must be and it is fulfilling and following the same pattern that's it's eternal. So that's my purpose here tonight is I'm, I'm hoping that I can bring out a pattern that we, can, that we can catch by God's grace and that we can apply it to our condition, our situation, our lives. Okay. So he says, God met him and kept encouraging him as he waited for the fulfilling of the promise. You say, I, I wished he'd do that to me. He says, that's why you're here tonight. That's, he says, something in him. They heard others being made well. Talk about those that are in the stretchers and sick, he says, what is it? It's the same thing. God encouraging you on, believe. So the reason that we gather together is God is encouraging us, just like he did Abraham. We've got a promise. We've got something that we're, that we're striving for, that we're looking for. There's going to be a bride that's coming forth. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be those that are alive and remain. They're going to be changed in a moment of twinkling. That's our goal. And God is determined he's going to have and he will have the bride that comes in this age. 
So he's encouraging our faith. He may not meet you in a dream or vision like he did Abraham or in a physical body there in the plains of Mamre. He came different ways to Abraham, but he did what was necessary in that age, and he will do exactly what is needed in this age, and he has done it, and he is doing it. Because he wants us to believe, and he's going to encourage our faith so that we can believe. Okay, now, just again, a real basic principle here, or, or a building block. We know that faith is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 says that, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So if you believe, to whatever extent your faith has, has matured, that's a gift of God. It's part of his grace. Romans 10.17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, do you think it's coincidental in this age that God saw that it was essential that the, the message that was brought to this age would be recorded? It wasn't recorded in Moses' day or Elijah's day or even Jesus' day. It was written down. But in this age, the days of the voice of the seventh angel, it's important. We have those tapes and how thankful we are for them. I think that's part of God's way and provision for us to have the faith that is necessary. And as I've said, everywhere I go, and I believe certainly that the, the, this church believes the same, that, that uh, you know, when a preacher gets up here, I'm not infallible. I make mistakes. You want to check it out. You want to give it the word test. And you want to see, is that what God said? You check it with the Bible. You check it with the message. You can go back and hear it for yourself. And we need to do that. Okay. In the message, Way to Have Fellowship. He says, he's talking to uh, some, uh, somebody in the prayer line, I believe. He says, there's something here that knows you, talking to the sister. It's working through this body, Brother Ram, somehow. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they'll get well. You have to do it, don't you? You believe it? Only one thing, he says, even God's word tells you first, see? Then he lovingly sends something else to encourage your faith. So it's in the word, by his stripes we are healed. If they will lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. You, you come to the, to the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil. I mean, those are the different gifts or different ways of, of healing. They're, they're part of God's provision. But he sends something. It's not just, here's the word, okay, now go believe it. He sends something more to encourage your faith to believe that word. To where it becomes a reality, where it's in, in, in action in our lives. And that's the pattern. We see that over and over and over. That's all through the Bible because that's the way God does it. He wants them to believe, so he sends exactly what they need so that they will believe because he's not going to lose a one of his that he's called. So Brother Bram says in the message, Blind Bartimaeus, he says, may I be able to say something that would encourage your faith that it stir up the gift that's within the people. You realize there's something laying in every one of you. And that needs to be stirred up by faith. So God has done whatever's needed, whatever it was that brought you to him in the first place. That's why we come to church. That's why we have one another. All these things is to stir that faith up so that he can use you and I. It's not just the preacher. Everyone in the body of Christ has a purpose. And we need to stir that faith up where that will be brought into action. So now, Brother Branham uses a term called point of contact. 
Brother Ben talks about it a few places. It comes actually, I think it was something that Oral Roberts kind of uh, uh, really focused on in his ministry. He would be, he says, now we're going to pray for the sick. And all of you on radio, he says, put your hands on the radio. Oh, so there's some healing virtue in that radio? No. But it was a point of contact to help their faith, which is they just need to reach out by faith. If they could believe, they could receive their faith. But he gave them something that they could do as a point of contact. Okay? So here we see that uh, Jesus said there in, in our text from Matthew 9, that Jesus said to them, Believe you that I'm able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Okay, if it was according to their faith, why did he even touch their eyes then? Why didn't he just say, Okay, you believe, then be it according to you unto your faith? But he touched their eyes. Because for them, that was something was needed to help their faith. The other man had a different need, and God knew it. And so he made that mud out of his spit and the clay of the, 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 the dust of the earth, and he put it on that man's eyes. It was something that was needful for him to have the faith that was necessary. So God knows every one of our conditions. He spoke to that rich young ruler and said, sell all you have and give to the poor. Is that God's command to every one of us? Are we all supposed to sell everything we have and give to the poor and then... F- no. But there will be things in our life that he will ask us. See, God knew, Jesus knew that that's, that was that man's boundary that he wouldn't go across. We need to be totally surrendered. Now, he may ask you to give up something that would be more than what you ever thought. But he doesn't ask everything because God has had wealthy men in his plans. He didn't ask Abraham to sell all that he had. Uh, different things like that. So, um, again, every person is put in that same situation to God knows what we have need of, and so that's the way he works with us. So now, in this whole thing of the point of contact, he says in the message, do you now believe? He says, now I may get criticism over this, but you know, Mr. Roberts has a little thing that I always admired in teaching called the point of contact. Somebody's got to have something that they can do that makes the contact of their faith. Well, that's very good. That's good if he can do that. He's a, it, that works all right, and especially in America. America has been taught, most of the people, of laying hands on the sick. That's a Jewish custom, and it's all right. It's the Scripture. Some places in the Scripture, they were commanded to go lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Another place, you must anoint them with oil, and a prayer of faith shall save the sick. Another place, they're to cast out evil spirits, and you just see it all around. It's according to your faith, be it unto you. So there's different ways that he ministered or, or was working with their faith. And he says, he goes on, he says, uh, like I said the other night, Jairus said, come, lay your hands on my girl, she will live. But the Roman, not so, just speak the word. I'm not worthy and come around my place. He says, it's according to your faith, what happened? That's why he said, he marveled at what that centurion said, I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. He didn't have to have a physical presence and a physical contact. And see, I think too many times people were thinking that they needed to come and have Brother Brown discern their, their, their situation, their life, where he'd go into Africa and he'd do it one time and they all believe. They saw God manifest. It wasn't something that, that and, and Jesus didn't send Brother Branham here to minister individually to every person. How could that happen? The hundreds of thousands of believers around the world and, and, and so forth. I mean, how could one person make that contact the same way that Jesus couldn't do it? That's why he poured out his spirit upon the church and sent us out with a commission. It is the spirit of Christ, but it's not through one vessel. 
but it comes through the faith. So I want to talk here for just a little bit on these points of contact, because the Bible is full of them. One of the first ones would be the brass serpent. As they were traveling through the, through the wilderness, and remember they, they were disobedient and displeased God, and so God caused fiery serpents to come in their midst, and they were dying by the droves. And they cried out, and God, God of mercy, heard their cry. So Brother Bram says this, God providing healing. He says, when they got sick, they didn't have to go out and hunt up some remedies. God provided an atonement for them. He made a brass serpent and put it on a pole and said that whoever will look at that will get well. And every man that looked on it and believed, God healed. So it wasn't just looking on it, but it was looking on it with faith. But that brass serpent raised up. Raised up. Now, of course, that was a type. That was, that was part of the pattern. We know that brass represented sin judged. We know the serpent represented sin judged. And it was lifted up just like Christ one day who was, was sin judged for us. One day he'd be lifted up between heavens. There's so many patterns there. But what it was was that God had told them, he says, that I'm going to lead you to a land. I'm going to send my angel before you. I'm going to prepare a way. And he'd already performed those 10 uh, amazing supernatural plagues there on Egypt. He'd opened the Red Sea. He'd changed the water from bitter to good and all these things. So this brass serpent was to remind them of what God had said and that he was with them and that they would believe in their God, believe in his words, believe in his promises. So it was something to help their faith focus on what was necessary. And so he gave them something they could see. That was a point of contact. What about Naaman there where he came to be healed of, of uh, leprosy there and he came to the, the prophet Elisha. And uh, so he was told, go and bathe in the river Jordan seven times. <clears throat> well, I mean, goodness sakes, we got better rivers than this up in, in Syria. Let's, let's just go back home and I'll do it there in one of those clean rivers. And there was no healing power in the river Jordan. But it was something where this man had to humble himself to the word of God. He had to recognize and identify that is the word of God and I will be obedient to it. And I think that's probably why there was seven times, not one. Because I can imagine he went down the first time and the results weren't there. And I was like, oh my goodness. And the second time, are you really sure? And, and just finally by the seventh time, maybe he was finally to the spot where that humility was there that, that was, God was looking for. So it was something to help his faith, to, to, to bring him from where he was to where he needed to be. Then we know that, that after the, the brass serpent, there came a time where the people made an idol out of that brass serpent, put it up in the temple, and people would come and, and, and bow before it and, and offer to it and so forth. And God sent a prophet in there, and he destroyed that brass serpent. Well, that was the means, that was the, that was the way that God had to help the people to believe for their healing. Because healing has been a part of every one of God's covenants from the time of the Garden of Eden all the way to this day. Never been without that. So when the brass serpent was, was no longer available, immediately God went to the pool of Bethesda, where the waters would be troubled, and that angel would come on there. And again, there was no healing virtue in those waters but because of God had vindicated if people, the first one to get in those waters and had been that way for many years and generations and so forth, they would be healed. So they came with expectation. They came with faith. And when that happened, that was something that would help their faith to reach out and get a hold of God. So Brother Bram says in the message, God and his people, he says, his spirit worked on a brass serpent one time. 
And on the pool of Bethesda, a water chopped up, troubled water. Ever who stepped in there believing, they received their healing. Is that right? Could the water say, look what a great water I am? No, it was the angel on the water that done the healing. Not the water, the angel. When the angel went away, it was just water. Men are just men, but it's God's agency. So these signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay hands. It's not that there's that healing virtue in that man, but it'll be the Spirit of God that's on them, and God will use that to help the faith of the one that you're laying hands on, and they can receive from God what he's already done and provided for them. But he goes on. He says, God doesn't fall upon denominations. God doesn't fall upon mechanical devices. God, the Holy Spirit, fell upon men. Man is God's agent, and the hardest thing that God has ever had to do was to get one mortal to believe another. And it's still <laughs> that way today. And the devil knows that, and he does everything he can to put stumbling blocks in front of us so that we won't believe what God wants us to believe. He'll stumble us with this or this or this. His, his goal is to keep the people from believing. Because if we believe, then there's nothing that God has promised us or nothing that he's done for us that are not ours, that we can access. What about that woman with the blood issue and Jairus at the same time? Because... Uh, it, it all happened in that same basic, uh, the same day, I believe it was. So in the resurrection of Jairus' daughter, she said, if that man is the son of God, who he claims to be, he says, I won't have to have him pray for me. I'll go down there and I'll, I'll just touch the border of his garment and I'll get well. That's right. I'll just touch his garment and I'll be well. In other words, if I can make some kind of a contact, I'll get well. Now you would have thought she, with that kind of faith, she just, I just believe it and and. But for her, for that faith to be risen up just a little bit higher to where she could really get a hold, she said, if I could just touch his garment. That's what she needed to bring her faith from here to where it needed to be received. And then he goes on, he says, little Jairus had met him and said, Master, my little girl is laying at the point of death. Won't you come heal her? He said, I'll go. Said, come, lay your hands on her. Now that was his point of contact to lay hands on. The woman, her point of contact was touch his garment. According to your faith, be it unto you. They both received their need, their request. They both believed, and yet God, their healing came in, in different ways, different points of contact. Time-tested faith again. He says, <laughs> I like this one. He says, it was after the woman with the blood issue had touched his garment and went and sat down, believing in her heart that she had faith for her healing. And it was after Jesus looked around and said, who touched me? And no one spoke. And he looked out into the audience and told the little woman what her trouble was, and she was healed. It was after that that everybody then began to touch his garment, for they was testing their faith too. They were trying to come the way she came. And I do believe if their faith was like hers and that's what was needed, it would have, but there was a lot of them, they were just trying to copycat what somebody else did and it wasn't, their faith wasn't being affected by it the way it was hers. That's why it's an individual affair with each one of us. There was a time where Peter's shadow was used as a point of contact. Acts chapter 5, we can read about it. It says, verse 12, it says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought or worked among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, part of the temple. And of the rest, dared no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. 
Insomuch they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks. And them which were vexed with unclean spirits, they were healed every one. So it happened one time where Peter's shadow passing over man and he was healed. And people heard that and it was something that struck their faith. Oh, if I could just be in his shadow, I could be healed too. And so it was a means that God honored that faith. And so here they were. Can you imagine? All right. John, you're crippled. We're going to get you now. Okay, now, let's see. He's, going to be, he's probably going to be coming. He's at lunch at this house over here. So he'll probably be out there about 2 o'clock. Now the sun's going to be. And they would be trying to calculate, where's the shadow going to be? Where do we need to be so that shadow can fall on us? But they, that was something that was able to focus their faith that if God did this for this one, he'll do it for me. He's promised to do that. Now, we've got all of these examples to help encourage our faith. But I just marvel at the way this, this unfolded. And they brought him in from all the towns and cities around about Jerusalem. And la- they laid him out in the streets so that just his shadow passing over would be sufficient. He didn't stop and, stop and talk to them. He didn't discern their hearts. He didn't lay hands on them. Just the shadow. That was all their faith needed. Because it always comes back to our faith. Brother Bram says, fundamental foundation of faith. The apostle Peter and his shadow passing over the sick never healed them. Not the shadow, but their faith in the apostle. It was their point of contact to get to God. Proving his word, he says, just think. The people seen in the apostle Peter, the presence of God manifested in this man, insomuch that they even laid the people in the shadow and they were healed. He says, how many knows that's scriptural? That's just as much scripture as John 3.16. See, it's all God's word. Now the people, you know the shadow of that man did not heal the people. We go to the story of, of, of Paul, and they took clothes, cloths, handkerchiefs off of his body and sent them out, and there was evil spirits that left the people, and the people were healed. Brother Brown says there was more results from the prayer cloth in his ministry than the discernment lines, laying on the hands. It was a point of contact. And of course, the moment that God vindicates that, then somebody hears that. Hearing, faith comes by hearing. Did you know what? Oh, somebody sent me this prayer cloth from, from the Apostle Paul. And my goodness, I just, I just, the moment I got it, I laid it here and something, and I'm healed. Oh, Oh, I want one too. See, that person's faith has been lifted up and now he's looking for a point of contact that if I could just get, and it helps his faith. So God does these things to help our faith because he wants us to believe. He's ordained us to believe. And in our day, what was the commission that Brother Branham was given? If you can get the people to believe you. Nothing will stand before your prayers. So the, 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 the vindication, the ministry that, that unfolded was to help the people to believe Brother Branham. Okay? So in the Be Not, Be Not Afraid of His Eye, he says today in the private interviews, and he's talking about how that he was talking with his men and women, he says he went back down like three generations that this happened to their great-grandfather, and this one and just and he brought it all the way up, telling their grandmother and grandfather who they were, where they come from, what they did, the next generation brought it out, the next generation, and then to them, of course, they knew. Now, that did not heal the person, 
but it raised them to a place that they had faith to be healed. That's the reason we do of Acts. Why do we baptize? Water won't save you, but it's the obeying an act. Taking the communion won't save you, but it's following the commandments. So I want us to catch that, because that's important. Somebody comes up here and we say, all right. They stand before the the platform here and they they say, I want to be prayed for. I want to have the elders anoint me with oil and pray for me. Okay, so now we take that oil and we anoint them with oil. We lay our hands on them. We pray the prayer of faith. And they're saying, Lord, I'm doing what your word said. I'm believing in your word. That's your promise to me. I'm acting on it because I do believe it. That helps their faith step up to the place. Now they can receive what they have need of and what they're believing for. So the laying hands on, the anointing with oil, all these different things is something that helps us. It's a point of contact so that our faith can reach out and receive what God has. It's, it's in obedience. We recognize, Lord, I'm doing this because you said it and I believe you. And I like that when somebody comes at the end of the service, whatever, and somebody comes up to be prayed for at our church. I like to bring that in and say, Lord, they're believers. That's why they came up here. Your word says such and such. And they have, they have believed that. They've acted upon that. So now, Lord, your promise is, is the same today as it ever was. And so you've, you've, you promised you would do this. And we're believers and we stand with them. And we're standing together. We claim this. And so I lay my hands on them in obedience. These deacon brothers. And we anoint with oil and whatever. It's in obedience to your word. And it's all these things. What are we trying to do? We're trying to bring them to the place where their faith gets raised up. And where now they can receive it. Because it's dependent on their faith. But God wants us to believe, so he's given us all these different things to help and to encourage our faith. I'm still building to something. But I hope you're seeing a pattern. I'm sure if we'd go back, we'd see the same pattern in every story of the Bible. But let's go back to the Pool of Siloam there, one of our texts. Now, Brother Bram says that that man wasn't just blind, but he didn't have any eyeballs. Wow. That's pretty amazing. This man went and washed the pool of Siloam, and eyeballs were created. There was something special about this. And if you noticed, when blind Bartimaeus was there, he says, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. What would you, oh, that I might see. This man did not ask for healing. He was outside the temple there, and the disciples asked, Lord, why is this man blind? Now, I'm sure he was within earshot. He could hear what they were saying. He heard this conversation. Why is this man blind? Did, did his parents sin, or did he sin? And Jesus says, no, it's, it was not either one of them, but that the glory of God might be made manifest. Now, that's as much as that man heard. And so then immediately Jesus went and made that that mud from his spit there in the dust of the earth and put it on him. And he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Didn't even tell him, and you'll see. There wasn't a lot of things said there, either, either requested or promised, was it? But it was all that that meant. Maybe it was just that he knew this Jesus. Maybe he'd heard people talk about things that had happened to them. And so when Jesus, he says to the disciples, Asked him, and Jesus said, It's that the glory of God might be made manifest in me, in my life. I'm just, oh, God, what, what, just something started to happen in him. Okay? Now, 
Brother Ram says this, take the rod and gather the people. He says, Jesus spit, and the man obeyed what he told him to do. And he came back receiving his sight. And they marveled, not because of the spit, not because of the mud, but because he believed what Jesus told him was the truth. Think of it. He believed something pretty amazing based on not a whole lot. That was an amazing thing, the way he believed. And can you imagine, here he was with this mud smeared over his eye sockets or whatever it was, and he's walking through the city, help me get to the pool of Siloam, help me get to the pool of Siloam, can somebody help me? I mean, he would have been, he would have been a, a, it would have been very humiliating, embarrassing. But it was doing something to him as he continued to follow God's command and word. Something was happening. And he got to the pool of Siloam and he obeyed God's word and that healing was there. Eyeballs created and he could see. So Brother Bram says in the message, only believe. He says, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Now what was his faith to contact as soon as he could find the pool? See if he'd ever, well, which way to the pool of scent? Remember our, our scripture says pool of Siloam, which is by way of translation scent. Siloam meant scent. Oh, there's something good here. Have we been sent? Have you been sent as a Christian? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. We've been sent. Watch Brother Ram bring that down. Which way to the pool of scent? Which way is it? Somebody help me to get to the pool. Oh, what do you want at the pool? Don't make any difference. Help me get to the pool because I, I, I know when I get to the pool. Somebody help me to the meeting. Oh, where are you going? You know what I mean. You wouldn't put up, you wouldn't go over to that bunch, would you? Well, just help me get over there. That's all I want to know. Get me there. Amen. I like that. Get me to a bunch of people where I can see the Bible living, where I can see Christ living in the people. Get me amongst that group. Help me over to get over to the pool of scent. In other words, somebody could be directed to come to this gathering of believers where you are those that have been sent and God would use this to something to encourage their faith to receive what they have need of. Amen. Oh, I love the way that the patterns just, they just they unfold so perfectly. Okay? Listen to this now. This is what we've been building towards. Oh, we're still not even to the three-hour mark. We're good. In the message identification, he says, let our lives be so salty that others can watch the way we act and live, that they'll want to live that way too. You know, Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its testimony, its savor, its drawing power, then it can no more heal or save. Salt saves when it contacts Okay, salt pork. They used it so that meat could be preserved to go on the long sea voyages. They put a barrel of pork out there, and if it wasn't preserved, it would get moldy in a matter of days or a week or two, whatever it would be, and it would be of no value. So they would pack it full of salt, salt and meat and salt and meat and so forth. Now, they could have a barrel of salt next to a barrel of pork. It wouldn't do any good. It had to come in contact and we're talking about we need points of contact for our faith. There has to be a contact for the, for the results to be there. So he says, 
Salt saves when it contacts. And we must be God's contact. We are his point of contact. As Brother Roberts refer, many times refers to putting his hand on the radio or something for a point of contact. You and I are ordained of God to be a point of contact for somebody else's faith. For them to receive what they have need of. For them to receive the promise of God that is to them. I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but I can't help it. That's why we must assemble together. We need one another. It isn't the same when there's just 15 of us scattered around this building. All of you that are out in those, those homes listening in through the way of the, 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 uh, the electronic media and so forth, it's not the same as if we could all be together. And many times the, the message will go and Brother Bram says, now you just lay your hands on somebody next to you. I mean, there's things that happen. we got to be in contact for it. And I think that's why the devil's doing what he can to keep us from being able to have that contact. Now, we, we, we must obey Caesar. We understand that. But there ought to be that desire for that contact. If we are content just to go on as we are and say, well, whatever, I mean, that's fine. And I've heard people say, well, it's, we're good. I can stay home and listen to a tape or I can stay at home and that's good enough for me. It ought not to be good enough. There ought to be a desire and a hunger. I want to get back together with more of God's people. Where, where we can be a contact to one another, that I can encourage their faith, they will encourage my faith. And that's why I felt to, to bring this tonight because you're going to have a greater number able to gather next Sunday. Oh, I hope that this will stimulate something that it won't be maybe even more expectation than there would have been already. Something to stimulate and encourage your faith wherever we are listening to this. So you come together with a little bit more uh, a focus as to why we gather together and what God wants to do and how it works. That we can let God work through us and make that contact. Fellowship by redemption. He says, your life is the only Bible that men, a lot of men and women, will ever read. Just the way you act and do. So Christians are supposed to be a living example of what Christ is. The Bible said, he goes on, that you are the salt of the earth. And the salt can only save when it comes in contact with the spoiling earth. The earth is spoiling, rotten, you know that. And the salt must come in contact with the earth, or if it don't, it'll be gone. There is, mankind out there is dying in their sins. They need the contact of God's spirit through his agency, which is man. The Spirit of God in other men makes contact. That's why it's, it's, it's I mean, handing out tracts, fine. That's wonderful, and God does use that. But really, we need to talk to them. We need to speak to them. We need to show our compassion and our love and our concern. We need to be there, what, what, what we can do. Maybe we need to buy them a meal and you know, put our arm around them and just encourage them, whatever. And we might not see something right away. But we just stay with it and keep manifesting that, that Spirit of Christ in us being shown to those that we come in contact with, that's how they're saved. There's something about, my, I want to be like that. I want, I want what that brother or that sister's got. I want to be like them. And there's a hunger that starts to, salt makes you thirsty, doesn't it? But you got to have, got to have contact. Uncertain sound. He says, this is a, his closing prayer of the message. These Christians has their hands laid on one another, Lord. And I have my hands laid on this brother as giving a point of contact for everyone in the building. So it's not a small thing when, when we're asked, well, just, just lay your hands on one another. Okay, it's tradition. We do it, whatever. Do we realize what we're doing? 
God is using us as a point of contact that my, the Spirit of Christ in me can help the one that I'm laying hands on. And their hands laid on me are to have, and just we realize this is God's provision. This is the way his body works. We need what everyone brings to the, to the, to the body of Christ. I wasn't sure if I was going to have time. I want to read three more quotes here before I wrap it up. This was from the message that I was going to speak here. And the Lord just kind of directed me to this other one. But this overlaps into it. So these quotes fit into both here. When God took Moses from the scene, he told Moses to encourage Joshua before the people. This wasn't a private thing. Okay, Joshua, come here, I need to speak to you. God told me that he's going to be with you the same way he was with me. Just hold fast and stay with that word and just keep pressing on. Be courageous. It was, he says, before the people. And so Moses did that, before the people. Because that was then going to help the people's faith to have confidence in Joshua now. So God does it very specifically the way it's needed. So he says, he told Joshua before he crossed over, he said, Be thou very courageous, for the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. You say, well, if God would tell me like he did Joshua, I have some courage too. He told every believer the same. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Courageous. Let's go take the promise then. That's why we've got his word. It is God speaking to us to encourage us. And we need to be in the scriptures. We need to be in those tapes. We live in an age where, where faith is under attack like never before, and it's so deceptive, and the discouragement's sweeping the world. We need our faith and courage. He's given us provision for it. Let's make sure that we don't neglect it. Pergamy and church age. Remember how in each, and this is the church age book, remember how each age he says, um, he that hath an ear, and, and he, you know, every age has that certain thing that he speaks to that age, to that age, to that age. So he says, each message to each age holds out an incentive to the believer, encouraging him to be an overcomer and thereby be rewarded of the Lord. See, every age God was encouraging him, be an overcomer, be a believer. Hold to this message that I've sent to your age. Be obedient to it, follow it, be an overcomer and receive. Here's the rewards that are yours. See, God was encouraging their faith like he did Abraham, like he did Joshua. The message, perfect faith. If God, when I was an alien from him, so loved me till he stooped down to get me and pick me up, that gives me confidence that he wants to use me. How many of you were stooped down low in sin and God found you and raised you up? And out there in your homes, you can raise your hand too if that's your testimony. Isn't that every one of our, every believer, that is their real testimony. He says he's got a purpose in doing it. He's seen something in me. He's seen something in you. He had a reason to save you. Look at the people that's unsaved today. Look at the millions he could have took beside you. But he took you. Amen. No one can take your place. Amen. You're in God's economy. No one can do it. That's his love to you. Then won't your love reach right back to him? And there's a love affair. 
No matter what the situation is, its circumstances is governed by this love that creates faith. That God loves you and you love God, you love one another, that brings the faith. So I want us to really see how that God's purpose is to encourage our faith constantly. That we would be an overcomer. And we could be the, the recipients of the promise, of the, the blessing that is promised for each age. And did you know the first church age? I'll try to illustrate it here. They have problem A and problem B. And they have reward A and reward B. Now we come to the second church age. They have problem C and problem D, but they still have problem A and B. That's still going on. It's not, it's not done. It's not the focus, but it's still there. And they have promise C and D. But they also have, he says, all those rewards carried over to the next age. Here we are in the last age. Every promise, every problem, every challenge that all the ages had, we can learn from it because all those spirits are here and we're battling against every one of them. But every promise that was given to the overcomers of every age, they are ours in this age. And God wants us to be an overcomer that we might be recipients of all those things. So he has done and is doing what is needful. He's going to have some overcomers out of this age. His elect will be there. One more quote that I want to read here and, and a scripture to end with. And this really is what I was building to is, is, is this one topic that's in this quote. It's God's provided way of healing. He says, if everybody in this building at this time would get in that kind of an attitude. Every person would be perfectly healed. Now, how do we get people that way? Now, think of that. Here is in this great meeting. If everybody would get into that attitude he's been talking about, every person here would be healed. Okay, then how do we get them there? Some can receive it. Some cannot receive it. Those who can receive it, they look at it and accept it and believe it. Others, maybe in another meeting, he says, now that's one way of preaching it, by the word. Another way is maybe somebody speak with tongues and they give an interpretation and reveal the secrets of their heart. Or maybe there'd be someone, was well, a prophet would stand up and do something in the supernatural that you'd look up and say, oh, there it is, there it is. Then something happens to you, but you sit there and say, mm, that's mental telepathy. Well, you're not going to receive it then, are we? He says, now that's the benefit of the meetings. That's what God gave the gifts for was to magnify him and to unify the people and to bring the body together and to help us unite our efforts and our prayers. There's some, the preaching of the word, oh, that got me. It's mine. And the other one's just, well, I'm, yeah, it's stirring, but it just, and then all of a sudden maybe somebody speaks in tongues, there's an interpretation. I know of a situation, and oh, I've been probably about eight or ten years ago down in the States someplace. And here at the end of the service, they were, they'd already had the message gone forth and they were just somewhere up at the altar praying. And out in the audience, all of a sudden, a sister rose up and she spoke a word of prophecy. And the, and the brother told me, he says, it was the last person you would have thought to do something. She was a, she was a wallflower. I mean, she wouldn't have, you know, stepped out and made, made herself even recognized. And she was one that God used and she spoke. And all of a sudden, there was a woman at the altar who said, that's me. And she cried out, and that woman's life, that was the altar, was changed. Now, the word had gone forth. But there was something more that that woman needed at that time for her faith. So God, mindful of her, gave her what she needed. 
That's the reason why we are called to gather together, each one of us having a part, a role, a purpose. Brother Ram says, you know, he's talking about how that, that the people might not all be able to get up here to, the, to be prayed for. He says, it might be your prayer back there in the audience that God hears to heal this person. That's why we need to come to church with an expectation, prepared. I'll guarantee you if you have to lead songs or if you're, if you're going to be a musician, you're trying to get in the atmosphere or you're going to be speaking, you prepare. But it's just as essential for every one of us because that might be what God wants you to do something that might not be as, 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 as well-known or obvious to everybody. It might not be up at the pulpit, but it could be you that God's going to use to reach out. Brother Bam tells, or Brother Billy Paul tells that testimony, I think. Now, this one might be Brother, Brother Doug McHugh's that I heard this one from. But here you have someone that came and, 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 and needed healing, and there they are, and this little girl needs healing, and this woman in a row or two behind, just something on her heart. Go pray for that little one. Go pray for that little one. But, but she's got a prayer card. She's going to be in the line tonight. Why would I pray? She's going to have the prophet pray for her and discern her, discern her need. But it wouldn't let her alone. So she finally went up and asked that, the mother. She says, can, can I pray for your daughter? And just, oh, please. So she prayed for her. Went back to her seat. There wasn't any great pillar fire that made it snow. And there wasn't any great outburst of emotion. She just did what was on her heart. And that little girl did get up there. Brother Brown says, oh, I see you're already healed. There was a sister back there that the Lord used to pray for her, and she's already been healed. But see, this woman was receptive to what God wanted to do with her. And my point in bringing this tonight, I'd preach it anywhere I go, is to encourage the church of God to be more aware of what we are ordained to do, what God intends for us to do, how he wants to work through us and, and use us. We are God's point of contact now you got to have the Spirit of Christ. It can't be just a bunch of do's and don'ts or doctrines. It's got to be a relationship where God is on the throne of your heart and His Spirit is in there and that love of Christ is flowing out. And, and then God can use us to encourage somebody else, to lift them up. So he goes on here. To unify the people, to bring the body together, and to help us to unite our efforts and our prayers. A person sitting in a group of people like this, where faith is gathered on every side, it'll help you to get well. There'll be people who listen at the word being taught that'll never be in a prayer line, yet they'll get well. For something happens subconsciously, maybe, that they don't even realize what it's about, they'll get well. Somebody sitting and watch one of the signs of the Lord appear, and they'll get well. See, it's when faith, anything that can stimulate that faith, Brother Bram says that there's some where this ministry will reach them and it doesn't reach the others, but this ministry will reach some of them that the other one does. And so he has different ministries, different means, different people. Whatever's needed, he has it provided. Let God work in and through you for whatever he's called you to do. I want to finish with reading from Hebrews 10. Verse 22 to 25. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. We need to take that to heart in this day. 
It's a shaking time. Hold fast the profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. It's not that I'm going to be able to do it, but, but hold fast. And you're asking the Lord to, to help you and to keep you and, and so forth. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now there's two different definitions of provoke. I was a real good provoker when I was a kid at home. I'd provoke my brothers and sisters constantly. But it wasn't a good works. What is it to provoke? It's something that we do that causes something. We need to provoke to good works. Something to encourage them to, to bring their faith up. And to cause them to reach out and, and, and accept and then to let God work through them. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. To have the kind of contact that he speaks about, we need to assemble together. Now, I understand sometimes we can't, and God knows that, but it ought to be our heart's desire and our hunger. I want to get together with the rest of the body, or at least as many as I can. We might be in a place where there's only three or four or five or ten. Fine, we gather together. We might be fortunate enough, well, in some ways where there's 5,000. I can't imagine being a pastor of a church that size. But nonetheless, there's something special. I've been in meetings up to 12,000. It's different than a meeting with three. There is something special when the people... But it's really critical that we come with the right attitude, the right expectation. We come prepared. Then it's not so much the numbers... But it is important. The more that we have together, there's more opportunity for God to work through and use different ones for whatever I have need of. And maybe God will use me to help somebody else. And I might not even be aware that I've been used. So he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And I remember when I was first came a Christian, I looked at, oh, exhorting, scolding them. The word exhorting actually means encouraging. It's a little different approach. It's like you heard the quote where Brother Bram says, love is corrective. Bless God, Brother John, this and that. I love you, so I'm correcting you. Yeah, but my motive, not all correction is love. <laughs> love is correction, but there's a way that it'll come. And it's the same thing here. Exhorting is to encourage exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And if you'll notice, it's not assembling yourselves the more often. The focus is really on the exhorting, the encouraging one another the more often as you see that day approaching. God knew full well that we are in this perilous time. We are in this deceitful time. We are in this time where the devil's trying to discourage us. We need to encourage one another the more often than ever. And that's what I wanted to, to put before each of you that we can stand together as the body of Christ. If we could have the musicians come, I'd like to sing that chorus. And Brother Ed told me, you know what? Have the preeminence that you desire in my life. Work with my hands. Work with my feet. That's what it's all about. We're the body of Christ, and God wants to use us, and he will. We just have to, he, he won't force it on us, but he will use us as we will let him use us. 
But as we can see these things, then our faith rises up and we can make the right decisions. And as we choose those things, then God comes in and does what he desires. Oh, have the preeminence that you desire in my life, in my life. Have the preeminence that you but it has to start with us as individuals. And then you get a bunch of individuals that made this commitment, then he'll work in our midst as a body of Christ. Amen. Have the preeminence that you desire in our lives, in our lives. Have the preeminence that you as we turn the service back to a brother let's just bow for a word of prayer oh Lord Jesus I pray that even as the word from your messenger has been read and, and brought forth tonight that it will build faith in our lives to help us to see what our purpose is and that you have a purpose for us and that, that we are a part of your body because we are here to reach out and to encourage one another and the more so as we see that day appearing. Lord, we do see that day appearing. All the things that are going on, we are, we are so convinced that your coming is close at hand. Then may this urgency to exhort, to encourage one another, just increase in our hearts and our lives. Have the preeminence. Be first place in our life. Use us for however you desire, Lord. Not, not what we want. I want this or I... Or I don't want that, but just, Lord, however it is, I'm here. I want to be surrendered to you. I want to be in your hands. Work with me in any way and every way that you can. So, Lord, I just commit these words into your hands. I know they won't return to you void. I just pray that this little church here in Edmonton, Father, will just be a, 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 a lighthouse in this area, shining, an example where, where you can send others to the pool of Siloam, the pool of scent to a gathering of people where the Spirit of Christ is in the midst of them and working through them. May that be true of every one of your churches around the world. Pray that for my church, Lord. 
But we just commit these things into your hands. We give you the praise. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have the preeminence that you desire in our lives, in our lives. Have the preeminence that you desire in our lives, in our lives. Work with our hands, speak with our lips. With our eyes, with our feet, have the preeminence that you desire in our lives, in our lives. Amen. I'm glad that God had a point of contact tonight. That he, if you should get one thing out of this service, God wants you to succeed. God is on your side. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, he works with us daily. He uses many different points of contact. And if we could see that we're an integral part of the body of Christ, how wonderful that is, how wonderful that is. Take these hands. <clears throat> Take these hands. And lift them up For I have not the strength To praise you near enough For I have nothing I have nothing Without you my Let 
last day I think our brother Paul articulated it so well such a gloomy time such a perilous time there's so many discouraging things that are happening and I I've just seen it that at times when I'm low and times when I don't feel like I want to face the day and I feel like it's easier to hang my head and bow my knee or, and, and just rather than to face the world God just sends a little encouraging text my way he drops a little song in my heart he gives a little something I believe God is determined in this last day that there will be a people that will come forth and I believe he that has started a good work will finish a good work and along the way, it's not just the beginning and it's not just the ending. But He is an integral part of every step along the way. That's why we have church. That's why we have services. That's why we have brothers and sisters. And I'm so grateful. You know, I, I'll tell you what. We face many discouraging things. And the devil will use everything he can. But I also believe that there's encouragement. We heard it tonight. And there's a need we have to gather together. Brother Paul, if you weren't going to use that scripture on Hebrews 10, I was. I had it written down. So I'm glad you finished with that. And you know the amazing thing, and I think it was actually you, Brother Paul, that said that to me years ago. It's not so much that you want to have people here. That, that's a part of it. But when you're here, it's, it's that you are exhorting one another. You think it's the minister exhorting you? Sometimes the minister comes up here just as weak, just as much trying to do God's will. But what does the minister do sometimes? He'll look over at a certain brother and make eye contact, and just that little nod is enough to get him going. And then somebody says amen. That's enough to get him going. And you know what happens when you do that? You create an atmosphere. And maybe you have a child that can be healed. Maybe you're doing it for someone else, that service. But maybe there's another service when you will need it. I think that testimony at the end was powerful. Having somebody stand up with a prophecy and somebody else on the receiving end. I believe that's the gifts, the way they were meant to be operated. Not just for show, but for a definite help, for a definite season and a definite time. I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I, I've always been reminded of that scripture about David when, when he was in the battle. His wives were taken. He was there. And the scripture says his men spoke of stoning him. 
<laughs> I'll tell you what, wouldn't that be a service to be in? <laughs> but the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you know, I think we need to find a place to encourage yourself. I like to have tapes around. I like to have my iPod around. I like to have songs around. I like to have things. I like to have friends that I chat with. Because I'll tell you what, I feel like I need everything that I can get. I believe it was an encouragement to have Brother Paul here tonight. And I pray that you receive that in a good way. And God bless you, Brother Paul. Thank you for that tonight. That was, that was really well done. Appreciate you laboring and going through that. And uh, we really appreciate you staying over and, and ministering for us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. Well, I've had a chance to be together with Brother Paul. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if he knows it, but I was just gleaning a few things, watching him in some situations. And I, I appreciate I appreciate him. I really do. You appreciate one another. At least smile, nod, say hello. Yeah, yeah we do. We're going to dismiss you. Every promise in the book is mine. Every promise for the bride is mine also. But let's sing the first part. Every, Every promise, promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in His love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. And every promise for the bride is mine. Every message, every quote, every line. I am trusting in His love divine. Every promise